Welcome back to Fireside, a podcast from FS Investments. Uh, my name is Caro Halloran, and today we are kicking off our Q2 Outlook content with an episode all about credit markets. Uh, like really most major asset classes, credit has had a bit of a rough start to the year, but the headline numbers don't tell the full story. So with me to parse through everything we've seen in credit markets this year and talk about what we can expect going forward is Rob Hoffman, the head of our research team. Hello. Hey, thanks Rob. for having Th- me. Yeah, thanks for thanks for coming on. Yeah. Our, our credit guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, Rob, let's let's talk a little bit about what we've seen so far um, this year. You know, 20 thinking back to 2021, credit was very calm, pretty steady. Um, I think I might have used the word boring at times. Um, and Q1, not so much. Right. So high yields as of now is down 4.5 percent this year the worst start to a year in history. Um, the most acute pain was felt in double B bonds, those highest rated. Um, they're down 5.4%. Triple C's are down less, um, down less than 4%. Loans, on the other hand, are only down 10 basis points. So, you know, these are, there's a lot of things going on in the markets. Um, walk us through what happened in credit in the first quarter. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it feels to a certain extent pretty bad. I think, you know, high yield is been down for each of the first three months of the year. And that's the first time that's happened since Q4 of 18. And then you'd have to go back to 2015 to find another period when that's happened. So, you know, for only the third time in seven years or so has high yield had this type of, of rough start. Um, you know, I think as we look at some of the factors that have influenced that, you know, I, I think about it in three buckets. The first that has had the most pronounced impact is certainly interest rates and and what's gone on with the interest rate picture. But then you have geopolitical tensions and, you know, I think these bubbling concerns about how is the economy going to respond to the Fed raising rates and does that create longer term growth problems, which certainly uh, impacts, you know, negatively credit markets were that to materialize. Um, But I think the story has really been all about interest rates so far. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think something we would expect, you know, I walked through kind of those returns that we've seen. And if we think about just a broad risk off market, um, what we've seen has not lined up with that, right? Yeah. You know, we, we're seeing those, the most duration sensitive parts of the high yield market, the double B's selling off the most. Um, and then, as we said, loans, which have very little duration sensitivity, obviously with their floating rate down only 10 basis points. Yeah. I mean, when you look at, at high yield as a, as a place to start, you know, your yield is up by nearly 2% from the beginning of the year uh, through the end of the first quarter. But if you look at spread as a real measure of, okay, how is the market pricing and risk? You know, spreads are only 40 basis points wider. It's a very small move on the spread side. And even despite, you know, geopolitical tensions and some of the other things going on, you know, that really hasn't materialized in the market to any large degree. It, it's really been, you know, all about uh, the interest rate move, the increase in the 10-year, you know, how that's flowed through to markets. And it's, you know, it's interesting. We've written a lot about how high yield is not historically interest rate sensitive, you know, negative imperial empirical duration, um, you know, very resilient through periods of rising rates. I, I think that, you know, maybe... What we're seeing, and we've talked about this in other markets, equity markets and other places, that when interest rates sort of approach the zero bound, things start to get really wonky. And I think maybe we're seeing a a little bit of that now as the interest rate environment is slowly normalizing. You know, the impact that it's having on markets, including something like high yield, has been a bit a, a little bit atypical um, from from where you're coming from and where rates are going. Yeah, it's almost like we turned the calendar page and markets kind of like woke up and 
we're like, oh, <laughs> I got yeah. to pray some of this stuff yeah. in. Um, okay, so let's let's get kind of real tactical and just talk about the second quarter because I want to talk about credit, you know, throughout the rest of the year as well. But I want to first talk just about Q2. What are you most closely watching there and what are your expectations for credit markets over the next three months? Yeah, you know, it, it's a um, it, it's a tough call. And I think, it, you know, when you just take the the broad brush of how people are looking at credit markets right now, you look at things like retail fund flows, you know, everybody's putting money into floating rate loans, everybody's pulling money out of high yield, you know, again, I think along these lines of, of interest rates and where people expect rates to go, you know, the, the hard part in looking at, well, what's going to happen in Q2 is that it's not a foregone conclusion. You know, if you go back and look at an environment like year end 2017 and what happens, say, through those first nine months of 2018, the yield of high yield was basically the same as where it is now. The spread of high yield is basically the same as where it is now. And high yield, you know, generated two and a half percent returns as interest rates on the 10 year went from 2.4 to 3 percent. So to sit here and say, well, high yield is definitely going to be down in the second quarter. Like there's plenty of periods of time in history where the statistics have looked pretty similar and that hasn't happened. Not to just keep throwing stats out there, but, you know, another interesting stat is there's been 18 times in the history of the high yield market where we've seen the five year treasury spike more than 70 basis points. You know, we've seen we've certainly seen that happen this year. Um, but in 16 of those 18 times, high yield has posted positive returns in the following three months. So, you know, it's it certainly the markets take time to digest um, those those spiking interest rates. But, you know, there's there's precedent for sure for this resiliency that we've seen in high yield. Yeah. And, and one of the other stats um, and graphs that we put in the outlook, actually, that I thought was really interesting is that if you just look at the current yields of, of the market today and in, in high yield versus loans, it's actually expanded to the point where high yield out yields loans on a on a current yield basis by more than it has since 2018. And that, you know, could portend to favor high yield versus loans in the second quarter. But there's a number of wild cards that go into that. Um, you know, clearly what happens to the 10 year, the five year, the path of interest rates over the course of the second quarter. And, you know, as we think about some of these other things, in addition to interest rates, you know, the war in Ukraine, do you have growing concerns about longer-term growth outlooks? You know, I, I, those have a major impact on what will happen in the second quarter because, you know, if, if that risk, those other risk factors start to pull back, you know, high yield at a spread of 370, it, it could easily tighten back down to where it was at the beginning of the year. As we think about credit fundamentals, like that picture is still really good across both markets. They're generating more cash flows than ever before. You know, despite concerns about inflation, margins are higher than they've ever been before. Leverage levels are largely falling. Like, you know, default rates are super low. So the fundamental picture is really good. And I think that could lead you to a spread tightening environment if some of these other risks out there, like real credit risks, you know, don't, um, you know, materialize or, or grow in popularity right, over the right. course of the second quarter. Yeah, we've kind of started to see that over the last couple of weeks too, just the last two weeks of March, almost like a, a snapback in markets broadly and in credit um, as we're like kind of looking past some of, I guess, these these near-term risks. Yeah, I mean, the you know, in the interest rate side, it is obviously it's been this huge wild card. I mean, we've seen this, what, 100 basis point move in 10-year treasury rates. Um, you know, it, it's unclear where things are going to go from here. I mean, 
I think the natural inclination from everybody would be to say that rates are going to go higher. And, you know, talking with, with Laura, our chief economist, you know, a rate call of two and a half to three percent by the end of the year. And we sit at, you know, 260 or something like that today. Um, you know, historically, once the Fed really starts going, the tenure doesn't move up necessarily. Yeah, I think that's a good, yeah, a good time to to reinforce that just because the Fed is controlling the short end of the yield curve. And I think the average um, 10-year rate that we see during Fed rate hike cycles is 100 basis points in history. That's, you know, that has been the average. So, and we've already seen that. Um, I'm not, certainly not saying that rates won't go <laughs> up more because we do have quantitative tightening happening. There, yeah. There's a lot more going on this cycle, but I think it's always really important to reinforce the, you know, the, the notion that long-term rates are not moving in lockstep yeah. with the yeah. Fed. So, I mean, look, to, to get specifically to what you're talking about in Q2, I mean, I, I think the prevailing trend is, is, you know, perhaps the most likely that loans continue to outperform investors continue to favor floating rate over fixed rate. Um, you know, we continue to favor asset classes like CLO securities, you know, things like that, that, that don't have the same level of duration sensitivity can continue to do well if fundamentals do well and rates continue to go up. You know, that's a, I think that would be the most popular view to take. Um, you know, I, I do think though it's worth paying attention to the, I don't know if you call it the contrarian side or the other side <laughs> of that, that there are environments where fixed rate markets can continue to do all right. And when you think about high yield, yeah, it's down, you know, four and a half, five percent year to date. But the investment grade corporate market's down eight and a half, nine percent. You know, even the Barclays Ag is down over, you know, seven percent from where we are right now. Like high yield's actually done okay if you made an allocation shifting into an asset class that historically has weathered rising interest rates better than some other areas of fixed income. Um, it's done that, but loans have certainly carried the carried the torch as, as one of the best places in fixed income to be to start yeah, the year. And in markets in general. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. So, Rob, let's talk about 2022 more broadly. So we published a chart book, as we do every year, with kind of our top five calls. Um, and we were talking before we came in to record about, you know, how we were doing, if we were on track with our calls or not. And you said, hey, we're actually doing pretty well. And I was like, really? Like, I, I really, you know, this year feels so different than I thought it was going to. How are we doing so well? But um, so I want to just, I want to touch on a few of the things that we haven't specifically talked about so far um, that, you know, that we taught, that we were brought up in our chart book. So we haven't really talked that much about um, spreads. And so coming into the year, we said, okay, spreads are tight. Um, they are tight for a reason. That doesn't mean they're going to go imminently wider and they could even tighten a little bit further. So, you know, we said that spreads in high yield would average below 350 basis points, loans below 400. Right now, the average spread for this year in high yield has been 376. It's actually a little bit tighter than I than I expected, given what's going on. Um, so what are your thoughts on that call? Um, are, you, are you sticking with it? Or are you yeah. going to change those? I mean, I think the spread environment theoretically should be most impacted by real credit risk issues that pose a fundamental risk to companies and their ability to pay back debt. It should be less impacted by just where interest rates are. And so from that standpoint, you know, I do think we can stand by this call. I think that, you know, it, depending on the path of growth and, and fundamentals, you know, especially if interest rates continue to rise a little bit, which can pressure spreads, you could see spreads go lower. I mean, pressure in terms of narrowing the gap. Um, and so we're not that far off, frankly, from where we you know, said that spreads could stay. And 
we did indicate that we thought spreads could stay in a tight band. And so far, you know, we've seen that despite this volatility. As I said, spreads have barely widened on the year. And so from that standpoint, you know, I still feel reasonably good about uh, looking to this as a, as a place that markets could go this year. Awesome. Okay, so let's talk about rising stars. So this is something that I think there was, you know, a lot of consensus coming into the year that we are going to see a lot of rising stars, um, especially after the, the huge amount of fallen angels that we saw during the COVID crisis. So we just kind of expected a lot of those high yield names to move back to the investment grade market. So I think our call, we, we said rising stars to shine. Um, unfortunately, I think this is the one that we have to admit we've been a little off on this year so far. Um, <laughs> rising stars do tend to have more duration sensitivity. So they've been hit particularly hard by these rate moves. Um, so what are your thoughts on rising stars you know, for the remainder of 2022 is still still think they're going to, they have some room to shine? Yeah. I mean, I think, look, on, on one side, I think the view that a lot of companies are going to get upgraded um, is still very much intact. And I think, you know, some of the estimates through the end of next year, you know, 230 plus billion dollars of companies being upgraded from below investment grade to investment grade. So from that standpoint, we still expect a lot of rising star volume. You know, I think what we underappreciated coming into this year is it was some of the duration risk that could impact those credits. You know, they start from a lower yield basis. Um, you think about, you know, the floating rate side as floating rates rise, you know, the yield for the loan market could be a lot higher by the end of this year, depending on the path of interest rates. Um, you know, that puts pressure on some of these fixed rate rising stars in the high yield market, where a lot of those upgrades are expected to come. And so from a performance standpoint, you know, I think it's going to be more case by case where some of these things are trading. And and look, what happens to the path of interest rates? If, you know, we've basically seen all of the rise in the five-year or the 10-year and growth stays pretty good and some of these things start to get more popular, I think you you could see a lot of volume potentially move into some of these names that are really high quality for the overall, you know, high yield market and are certainly much more compelling investments today from a yield and potential return basis than they were at the beginning of the year. Um, but, you know, look, I, I think we have to be very cognizant of just what has happened over the course of the first quarter from a, a duration sensitivity standpoint and how these names names have been impacted. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Last um, last call I want to talk about because we haven't talked much about CLOs today, and um, that's an asset class that we quite like. So we coming into the year, um, we called for triple B CLOs, so collateralized loan obligations, to outperform double B corporates. Um, and so that would be an investment grade rated asset outperforming a high yield asset. As of March 31st, triple B CLOs are flat on the year and double B corporates are down 5.4%. So we are spot on um, with that call. Do you think that can continue and what are you watching there? Yeah, I mean, I do think it can it can continue. And, and you know, as you highlighted, it's a great opportunity where you can invest in a higher rated, you know, theoretically less default risk, safer security and outperform one that is, you know, lower rated with theoretically a higher return. And that's exactly what's happened. You know, I think a big part of that is is the fact that CLOs, uh, the liabilities are floating rate and they have clearly benefited from that hedge against higher interest rates. And, you know, CLOs historically have offered, you know, really nice yield premiums over comparably rated corporate debt. And that's what we've continued to see. I think they are vehicles where, you know, ultimately it's the fundamentals of the credit environment that should drive their returns. 
And as we've said many times, the fundamentals are still really good. And so I do think this is a dynamic that can continue. It's relatively harder for investors to access. You know, you can't go buy really a, a, an investable index that has CLOs in it. Um, but we do think it's a part of the market as you can sort of look outside some of the benchmarks to find attractive areas within fixed income that can still generate really nice returns for investors. And, and we do think this can definitely continue over the course of this, this year. Great. Well, I'm sure we'll we'll be back towards the end of the year to see how we did one all, on all of our calls. We'll bring the whole team in to do that. It'll be fun. Um, so I just, I want to wrap up with just kind of a broad question. You know, I think sitting here, it's the first week of April. Um, things feel very different than they did when we came into the year. Um, I think a lot of these, these tail risks have happened. You know, we were, there's a lot of geopolitical tensions, inflation still with us, rates are rising, all of this, the fed has started hiking. Um, so things just feel really different. A lot has happened in markets in the first quarter, have your overall big picture views on credit changed substantially? And if so, how? Um, and if not, why not? I, you know, I don't think so. Um, you know, my background as a credit investor has really been that fundamentals drive the, the credit environment. And from that standpoint, nothing has changed and fundamentals are still really good. You know, I do think that the interest rate picture, which is one historically you've been able to kind of ignore in credit markets, you know, that has certainly taken center stage. And that's something that, you know, for me takes a little bit of an adjustment. Like there are some really interesting dynamics going on that if you think about where the loan market is today, and as we noted from a current yield standpoint, high yield is out yielding loans by the most it has since 2018. But if the Fed, you know, raises rates by, you know, another eight 25 basis points move from where we are today through the end of the year, that completely changes that dynamic. Um, and it's something that is somewhat, I think, unprecedented in the history of comparing loans versus bonds. So, you know, I, I think that some of those types of issues um, has changed our outlook on markets and changed how we're thinking about it. I think it gives us a lot of a lot of really interesting things to write about over the next coming months um, because these are things that markets haven't seen in a long time in, in credit markets. Content. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, from that standpoint, I think some of our outlook, you know, has changed and, and feel, you know, to a certain extent, even more compelling about loans being able to outperform, um, you know, some of those types of issues. But from a fundamental standpoint, fundamentals are still really good. And that, you know, historically has been a big driver of return. And that's why I think it'll be really interesting to see the fundamentals take over if the rate picture kind of pauses in terms of rising rates um, from the Treasury side, you know, do markets kind of normalize in their relationship, you know, before some other factor takes over and, you know, either, you know, drives markets along the continued path that they've seen in Q1 or, you know, do things turn around a little bit and, and look a little bit more normal from a less duration sensitivity for high yield and a market that tends to do well when fundamentals are good. All right, Rob. Well, thank you so much for joining. Um, as you said, there's there's a lot to talk about and there's going to be a lot to talk about going forward. So um, we'll, we'll have you back on soon to update us on credit. All right. Can't wait.